If you're looking for employee learning and training ideas, how to innovate your learning process, or the newest training trends, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Learning and Training Podcast. I'm Stephen Maggi. Is your organization looking to forge a generation alliance to deal with the world of 21st century business? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Bridging the Gen Gap, Seamlessly Blending Workplace Productivity Across Generations. And boy, do we have an incredible panel to discuss all this today. And what we're going to do on here basically is identify the benefits for generations working together and possible challenges, and maybe even identify design criteria to add to your training programs to ensure multi-generation audiences all benefiting from learning. So as I say, we have an all-star panel. Let's start out with our first generation, the GI generation, which is defined as 1925 to 1945. And boy, do we have some names here. Ken and Marjorie Blanchard are with us. That's right. They're the co-founders of the Ken Blanchard Companies, uh, both world-renowned motivational speakers and management consultants. They're very prolific, have written over 60 books, including The One Minute Manager that everybody's read. It sold over 15 million copies. Well, Ken, let's start with you. You've seen the growth of new generations coming along throughout your career. Has that been something that's been an adjustment in your career all the way through as the years go on? Uh, I don't think so. You know, uh, we were just looking at our company. We got, we had to downsize some, but we still got 225 people. And we have a pretty good mix of the generations, and we've tried to keep it that way. And I think uh, my mother used to say to me, don't you act like you're better than anybody else, or don't let anybody else like to act like they're better than you. God didn't make any junk. There's a pearl of goodness in everybody. And so I've never been uptight about what generation people are. I want to get to know them and what they're thinking and how we could help each other. Now, Marjorie... The fact that you guys are always out speaking to people and meeting new people all the time, does that kind of help you? Because these generations, you're seeing them firsthand right there, and you're kind of getting the idea just by working with them from that perspective of how everybody understands everybody else. You know, I think basically people are the same. I do think there have been some changes just in the way we we prefer to communicate you know, we've got kids ourselves, and if I don't, if I send them a text, they'll probably answer it. But if I send them an email, it might be a couple of days. The biggest change for me is is my comfort with technology. I I really I say to myself, I was just born a little bit too early for these these people that absolutely have no trouble at all just moving around in this technology space. And you know, we've had a few of our senior consultants decide that that they don't want to make that huge transition to teaching digitally, and they've retired. But then we've got some other just marvelous people who have made the transition, are doing a great job, and we've new people as well. So technology is one of the biggest things I think we have to be realistic about. We'll come back and talk a little about that because I find that fascinating. And I know just as the years go on for myself, suddenly stuff that I just jumped at, I'd rather not bother. But let's go on and let's introduce Karen Metzger. She's representing the baby boomers from the years of 1946 to 64. Karen's the president and principal consultant of Human Performance Systems Incorporated. Been in the business over 40 years and I find it interesting Karen, you're still working with uh, some of these uh, former students because you're also a professor, your graduate students, and even their offspring. Do you 
find, you know, you say your professional circle is really intergenerational. Has that been a help throughout your career? Has that kind of kept you ahead of the game by, by being so tight with these different generations as they come along? It has indeed. Um, as a professor, I had some fairly young students, you know, some in their 20s and and uh, and on up the ladder, some second career people in their 40s and even 50s. And recently, I've had a stint for two years of living with my millennial daughter and my two Gen Z granddaughters. And so <laughs> being associated with all these young people has forced me more or less kicking and screaming to to keep up with some of the latest trends. What happens in your private life is going to eventually get into the business life, right? I mean, these things are not totally separate, and some of the same tools that your family uses are going to be used in the workplace. Yes, and I've I've been working for um, ExxonMobil as a as a training designer for t- over 20 years. And as as that 20 years passed, we went from people uh, attending a 3-day in-person course to everything being e-learning and some of the young people being hired wanting those trainings to be shorter and shorter and punchier and more ent- entertaining. So I've had to keep up uh, with the learner population. Well, let's move now to Generation X, and that's 1965 to 1980. With us is Eric Kaufman, the president of Sagatica. And really interesting, you should go to his website because the way he describes his business is in 20 years, he prides himself and his company by tapping untapped potential in the C-suite. And Eric, I just have to ask you, is part of that being able to adjust to these things? Because you being in the middle, you're dealing with generations that came before you and generations that have come after uh, Stephen, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that great question. Actually, it's not just professional, right? So my folks are in their 80s, and my daughters are 18 and 20. And so, similar to I think Karen, what you just mentioned in terms of living in that in that range, um, seeing it in the workplace, I think you know the miracle of, of uh, not a miracle might be too strong, but sort of the, the great privilege of science and medicine. People are living longer, healthier lives with more ability to be, you know, contributing and creative. And so there's a, there's a big range of, obviously, this is why this program is on. So from a C-suite perspective, though, uh, it starts to get a little bit like, you know, I, I love, Ken, the way you described your mom and how she said that, you know, every, nobody's broken, everyone's a pearl, and something to that effect, right? When, when we're looking at the C-suite, um, there's sets of challenges and, and requirements that, don't leave a lot of room for age, right, or, or preference. You, you know, there's certain ways you have to show up to serve your people. There's certain ways you have to show up to be able to think strategically. And there's there are responsibilities and pressures that that tend to transcend age. So it, it is an interesting. I mean, there, there's something real, right? There's there's something real about the the cultural influences that affected people over time. So if you grew up in the '60s or '70s or the '80s. But underneath it all, it's human beings making decisions and working with other humans. That's that's at the heart of it. That's a great lead into Anthony Garcia. He works in e-learning and VR development at Epsilon Systems Solutions. He's representing the millennials, 81 to 96. Uh, Anthony, you had said that part of working with different generations is not overemphasizing that age difference. And yet you work with uh, VR, which is kind of scary. I mean, we were talking about some of the stuff from before. Like What the Blanchards were saying was some people are like, wait, I don't want to get near it. Well, you think of VR, just the thought of it's kind of scary. 
but is that is that your attitude, Anthony? Is to go out there and to try to like not buy into that and to just try to simplify it to them so they don't get scared from it? How does that work? Yeah, great question, Stephen. Um, kind of what we talked about before is it it really comes down to being patient uh, with each other when introducing different types of technology or even different ideas. And I don't even think that just applies to different generations, kind of what we're talking about now, but just to people from different backgrounds in general, Um, just because we have so much diversity in the world in our nation right now that you're meeting people from all different uh, types of backgrounds. And so they all have different you know, exposure to media, and then even the way that they live their lives are very different. So having that patience to kind of go through those different things and new ideas is is really crucial. We will be back with more of Bridging the Gap, seamless workplace productivity across generations in just a moment. You are listening to the Learning and Training Podcast. There's a first time for everything, and equipping your team with the confidence of practice and familiarity can be tough. At Epsilon XR, we embrace the trial and error of on-the-job training without being, well, on the job. We create immersive training experiences with virtual and augmented reality that give your employees an opportunity to learn and practice in safe environments. Want to hear more? Go to EpsilonXR.com. This is the Learning and Training Podcast. We are discussing bridging the gap, seamless workplace productivity across generations with our all-star panel. Patience is a great phrase that we're going to probably say a number of times in this conversation. But as we go to our last generation, Generation Z, which is 1997 to 2015, 6 to 24 years old, we have Jasmine Doctolero e-learning and VR developer also at Epsilon System Solutions. And now she's been in the business for a year and a half or so. But I got to wonder, Jasmine, as you hear all this and so forth, you know, we talked about patience. Is it hard to identify with these generations ahead of you the fact that they didn't just grow up with this the way you did? Or is it something, again, kind of like what Anthony was saying, where you got to just have patience and just assume that everybody can get this stuff? Uh, yeah, so being off of Anthony, being at home, uh, my parents, they didn't really grow up with all these technologies, and they're the ones usually calling out to me and my brother to help them on Zoom conferences and all these new technologies that they're not familiar with. And being able to be there and a sister and teacher, it's really comforting to know that uh, anyone can learn how to use these technologies. So like Anthony said, patience is definitely key in this. Well, Ken, as you hear all this stuff, and of course you've written the book, you and Marjorie have written the book and many books. I know when we talked uh, before this uh, conversation, you had mentioned that in your family, you're doing this, these people are coming in and yet this mix is going on there. When you hear this, does this all make sense as this comes here? And is it just a process that will continue as the years go on? Yeah, I think so. I think technology is going to keep on getting better. I mean, you know, who could have ever thunk that we could do the stuff that we're doing now? You know, I I uh, just couldn't uh, believe, you know, that I could, you know, be sitting in my office and doing a session for a whole bunch of people in India, you know, the other day, you know. And so, I mean, duh. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm anxious to, to learn. I, I heard other people, you know, is that uh, 
you know, I, I'm kind of learning how to, you know, do some of the stuff myself, not just, uh, you know, be helped, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a journey, but I, I'm excited about it. Eric, as you talked about the C-suite when you were chatting before, this is one of those things I would imagine that if you're going to be good in the C-suite, regardless of where you fit in this generational side, you've got to have access to these people. And it's not a matter of you sitting in one of those offices knowing how to do it, but knowing how to get it done. Is that kind of what you look for uh, when you're helping companies do this? And also, as we're serving very diverse uh, clients, we want to know from all different directions, from uh, the senior side on down to the youngest side, kind of how these people think. And uh, it seems like we're a little more segmented today in the way we think than we were 20, 30, 40 years ago. Is that something for the 21st century C-suite or am I off target? The point that you're making about we're more segmented, I think that – so I've, I've lived in four, on four different, in four different countries – and I grew up in a multinational family. Um, my daughter is right now studying in the Netherlands. And so, you know, I've, I've been exposed to lots of different cultures and lots of different ways of being. And I've noticed that people have traditionally been somewhat isolated. I would say that while there's a perception that we're more isolated, in fact, relative to 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 100 years ago, um, there's, there's a more sort of distributed awareness among people of different cultures. And so I, I think that, you know, it's, it's convenient to say that we're more isolated in the way we are. Of course, you know, we are, we are pushed and pulled into very narrow channels of social media that only confirm and affirm our biases. And, and having said all that, there's far more opportunity to rub shoulders with people of different generations of different cultures um, you know, I've spent the last year just like the rest of us, right, in, in my office at home. I gave up my office, you know, in, in, in my, my, you know, commercial office, and I just wasn't working from home. And But quite frankly, on Zoom, I, I've met amazing human beings all around the globe, and I'm not the only one, you know. So while technology can be isolating, it is also remarkably liberating. And I don't think we should forget that the point of technology is to facilitate human function, human behavior, not just how people think, but how people feel. And so when we get caught up about technology as being a barrier, it's humans have always used technology to accelerate and improve their ability to do things, right? But we're having to catch up with doing things in different ways. I, I think that a CEO, an executive, a leader, a supervisor, a mom, a human being that doesn't know how to reach people, not just how they think, but how they feel and relate not just in terms of cognitive ideas, but in terms of, you know, meaningful human connection. Uh, people who can't do that will, will suffer um, a, a real limitation in their ability to influence, to lead, and to actually have a meaningful lives. So whatever we can do with technology to connect, I think that's the magic. Well, and speaking of magic, Anthony, that must make you smile because I'm thinking with VR, and you're kind of on the forefront of this, this is exactly what you want to let everybody know is we can do more and more things with virtual reality. It eliminates, not completely, but it eliminates a lot of the travel we talked about. And it's kind of like what Ken was saying before where you're in, you can do something in India the same day from here in the United States. So is that something you try to push when you talk about uh, VR, Anthony? It is definitely one of like the bigger aspects that we talk about when talking 
um, to people about using VR for training and, and educational purposes and things like that, where it kind of broadens your scope or um, like your your client base and kind of the type of trainings that they're able to uh, partake in. And of course, um, a lot of people may think that VR training or other type of simulation trainings are there to replace um, different types of training, whether it's instructor-led training or in-classroom training, but it's really there to supplement those trainings and kind of provide an environment um, for certain situations that you can't really replicate inside the real world safely. So um, it is exciting to hear um, Eric talk about those types of things and how it kind of broadens that scope and that accessibility to everybody. And Jasmine, you're working with uh, VR development as well. And when you work with Anthony and so forth, is this an opportunity where working with uh, multi-generations is really helpful because you get the technology and so forth, but you kind of want to find out what those fears are and what the benefits are specifically to these other generations so you can help them uh, transition into that? Uh, 100%. Um, I think it's important to be open to new technologies and to supplement them. Uh, that way you have a wider range, I guess, You've been listening to Bridging the Gap, Seamless Workplace Productivity Across Generations. This is part one of a three-part series. Next time, our panel will focus on generations and career insight. Want more information on what you heard today? Contact us at team at learningandtrainingpodcast.com. And if you're looking for even more learning tools and resources, check us out at epsilonxr.com.